Cavs.com, podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the Palatial Franklin Estates in the West End of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, January the 10th. Uh, Virginia coming off of a uh, close-ish win over Syracuse last night. Um, we're going to talk all hoops on on this week's podcast. We'll talk a little bit about that game last night and maybe some of the uh, the echoes of the past, the the the, the demons that, that might have um, crept into uh, Virginia fans' um, collective consciousness last night um, before Virginia went and made 10 free throws in a row to seal it. Uh, and we'll also talk about kind of where things are in the season and uh, maybe even tell a funny story about a certain thing that happened prior to the Carolina game. Uh, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. Up in Arlington... Staff writer Justin Ferber's on the show. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. Um, we haven't gotten to him yet, but I feel like we need to give Dave like 10 minutes to catch up on the last <laughs> five. He's going to be like, I got a lot of takes about the military bowl, guys. <laughs> and I'm at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. And as referenced, uh, our buddy Dave is back on the show up in Fishersville. How are you, my friend? It's pretty nice to be here. It's been a crazy, crazy six weeks, but uh, yeah. Life is hopefully back to normal, and all of you can stop worrying. David's back on the podcast. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. <laughs> you know, it's funny is that like I would I would normally I don't know if you listen to the show in your absence. I know you were busy. Um, the correct answer is of course you listen to the show, um, but I I would sometimes remember at the beginning to explain where you were, and then sometimes it would be at the end. I'm like, oh, sh- oh crap! I forgot totally forgot where to tell people where where Dave is. Um, but I'm glad that you're back. I'm glad that you are kind of seeing life return to some semblance of normalcy. Yeah, um, me too. Uh, I, we're not going to take your uh, military bowl hot takes. We're not going to. It was <laughs> a cold take day. Early Let's put it that way. Uh, we're, that was the. Is that the first game you've left early? Yes, ever? and and I didn't have a real choice really. I, I kind of carpooled, and and my good man's wife just couldn't take it anymore. So and, so you was probably street- sitting beside me yelling at the referees that probably was a famous draw for her. <laughs> so is your streak over? I, I would say my streak continues with an asterisk. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. that's fair. I mean, you know, it wasn't like I was in Charlottesville and they left early. <laughs> I had to had to get back home. You know. Yeah, that's true. You couldn't. Uh, yeah, I could have stayed. You know, I didn't get out of the parking lot before the game was over. Well, I mean, the game you was over. Us. I yeah, mean, that's yeah, true. technically, yeah. All right, this is already more military bowl talk than I wanted to have. Yep. Okay, let's um, let's talk about basketball. The Cavaliers are fifteen. And I don't have Ferber to sit next to me to fifteen to, and one four zero. Thank you. Uh, which is really messed up. So let me explain to the good people what that means. Oh, yeah. Cavs Corner, also on Twitter. Cavs underscore corner. Great place for our in-game updates, content items, and the occasional, uh, especially if Virginia's beating the dog crap out of Virginia Tech, witty banter. Um, so most nights, like right at the end, like I'm I'm, I'm getting the, the last, the, the final tweet ready to roll and then post it on the board. And it, it helps me out for some reason to have Ferber sitting there because like, if for I don't know why my mind goes blank on their record and I always will screw it up. It's like if there's a typo I can make in that in any of the tweets, it's always that last one. So I will occasionally, actually always, reiterate the the record to Ferber before I send it, uh, and he will always reiterate it back to me, but with like just the slightest bit of like God, isn't this your job? Um, which I always kind of respect because um, he still says it anyway because he's he's a good person. Um, so yeah, so Virginia at, at, at 15 and one, a four and oh, um, not really surprised per se. 
was a little bit surprised to see him win as easily as they did in Blacksburg last week. Um, honestly, wasn't as surprised to see him beat Carolina by double digits. Um, was a little bit surprised that last night's game wasn't a, a bigger sort of game. Uh, Dave, since we have very rarely heard your takes on, on basketball season thus far, um, what's your overall sort of sense about this team and, and kind of where do, where do you think things are right now for the Cavaliers? It's been good. Next question. No, no. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm a little surprised they're 15 to one. Um, I think you definitely have to be surprised at third in the country because of the number of events that had to happen for that to take place. Um, not just Virginia winning, but teams that have lost some games they probably shouldn't have. Um, if you told me we'd be 15 and one, I would, I would have expect, uh, expected that at some point we had developed a post game, an inside scoring game and absent the out of conference games, we really haven't scored that much inside the three point line. So it, it's a little surprising for a team that is relying so heavily on the jump shot to be as consistent as they are. Uh, what I am encouraged about with this team is they seem to be getting better each game, especially with the emergence of, of Hunter, Tony kind of figuring out the, you know, the, the bench rotation, small bench as it is, but figuring out their strengths and weaknesses as the season has gone on. It, it's a little different than some of the good teams we've had in the past where the team was kind of good out of the gate and kind of maintained it. This team does seem they're, like they're kind of uh, improving game to game, which is encouraging. Um, you know, you know my how I feel about the whole third score thing, but <clears throat> yeah, I think this team just has a bunch of guys who can score. Uh, I, I remain concerned that there isn't a consistent threat who can one, one man beat you off the dribble and score at will like Syracuse throws at you. Uh, I think that will be a will be an issue at some point during the season just hopefully hopefully not when it's a a, a massive game but all in all pretty happy Brad <laughs> I would say that you, you hit something right there that I think is really important to, to keep in mind I was on um, uh, the uh, media roundtable I do with Damon Dillman on um, WINA uh, earlier and they wanted. We're talking about comparing this team to the Elite Eight team, and the thing I I, I, I kind of zeroed in on is that like this team does not have a single defender, and I don't mean this as any shade or disrespect to Devin Hall, who I think has done an admirable uh, job. Um, uh, he's really played his, his tail off, um, but they don't have a guy that they can literally throw at anybody to shut him down. Malcolm Brogdon, you could literally, as I like to say at the time, you know, he would just go turn somebody's water off. Like that just happened. So it didn't matter if it was Brandon Ingram or Cat Barber, like, and anybody in between. They don't have that. They also don't have like Malcolm could just go get you points. Um, and granted, a lot of that was sort of um, generated, so to speak, um, in the offense. I mean, nobody was to this point. We haven't seen anybody just be able to kind of go and and the old uh, do me offense, right? Um, definitely not what Franklin Howard and um, uh, Ty Battle were doing uh, last night. Um, and and I guess O'Shea Brissett as well, just sort of spacing the floor and, and going to the rack. Um, but there are a lot of ways I think this team is better. Uh, this team is, like, if you think of AG and, and Zay, right? AG, obviously, just head and shoulders better offensively. And having that post presence was so important for that team. Um, but defensively, all the little things that Zay does to cover up, as Tony mentioned the other night, like to me, that sort of translates to what Malcolm used to do or what Akil used to do. Um, 
as Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy have gotten better defensively, this team has dramatically improved. They they still sort of um, have some moments throughout a game where teams can sort of take advantage of them a little bit and their lack of physicality. But Dre is, to me, it's as clear as ever that he's the difference between this team being a, a good Virginia team and a potentially special Virginia team. Because not just what he can do offensively, not just what he can do defensively, it's the the sum of all the parts. Um, and to me, that's the thing that, that has really stood out of the recent games. What about you, Ferber? What kind of stands out to you um, about the uh, the recent games that Virginia's played and sort of maybe the, the trajectory that the Cavaliers are on right now? I mean, I think that this team is better defensively than I thought that they were going to be. And I'm not saying that I thought they were going to be bad defensively, but, um, you know, you still have two guys that are sophomores. Um, and let's be honest, they're not the most athletic wing defenders that you're going to find. Um, I mean, Devin's kind of a known quantity on defense. Jack's a good defender. Um, better than, you know, Mike Toby was at center. Um, and Isaiah, obviously, another known quantity. Um, and what Isaiah lacks in the pure athleticism that somebody like Darion had or maybe Akil to a lesser extent, he makes up for in spades with effort. Um, he, he probably plays harder than any UVA player I've ever seen. Uh, and, and that includes Justin Anderson, who, who played really hard in a different kind of way. Um, but, I mean, his, his effort has, has been huge. And I think the defense has kind of allowed them to, whereas last year and the other years, you know, they, had, they went on these lulls, and, and the defense would play okay, but they weren't able to kind of pull their way out of it. Now it seems like the defense is so elite that they're able to overcome any you know, ruts they have on the offensive end um, with some stops that kind of get the momentum going back the other way. Um, the rim protection has been good. A lot of blocks this year, feels like. Um, and, you know, new, the, the amount of times they turned over Carolina with just a lot of that was in the backcourt, you know, guys just jumping passing lanes. And, and that's not something that UVA does a lot. You know, they don't, they don't get too aggressive in the pack line defense and jumping passing lanes or going for steals. But Carolina afforded those opportunities to them by, by you know, sleepwalking through the game at times. And, and UVA took advantage with, you know, eight dunks. <laughs> so uh, the defense has definitely, I think, fueled the offense and, you know, they're not really running in transition from good defensive plays, but I feel like the momentum that they're gathering from the defense is, is helping the offense. And a lot has been mentioned about, you know, this team needs a third score, uh, stuff like that, you know, in the in the uh, non-conference portion of the schedule. But, uh, I mean, obviously we saw Ty kind of emerge as uh, a, a potential guy that could fill that role, as well as DeAndre. Um, both of those guys are capable scorers and, DeAndre really thrived, I thought, against the zone defense, which which is to be expected with a player of his size and skill. I mean, he's really perfect for that role in the middle of the zone. But uh, I don't really think this team needs a set third scorer as much as people think. It just needs to be – you can't just have everybody go MIA at the same time. Um, if, if one of these guys can step up and have 15 and the other guy has 7 or 8, you're good. You know, if they both have 7 or 8, then you might be in a little bit of trouble against some of the teams in the league. But – Overall, I think uh, they just have a lot of balance and, and great defense and, uh, and different scoring options all over the court. I would definitely agree with that. I think one thing that's been interesting to me has been, uh, I remember when Dave got kind of uppity about the whole third score thing. Um, and I, I remember myself at the time saying, no, no, I think it's important. The more I've seen him play since then, um, <laughs> this sort of underscores just how long you've been gone, Dave. Um, 
the more I've seen them play since then, honestly, I, I, I agree with you, Ferber. It's not that they need a set, so to speak, right? It's almost like because these dudes are like, are like more inclined offensively, just sort of innately, right? Um, the offense just sort of comes. And so you, you know who the guys are that you're trying to get shots for. You understand what the sets are that you're going to be running. And so a lot of the offense that comes, comes naturally. You're, you don't get a sense that, like anybody's forcing it. Like there were times last night where I, you, you might have thought, up oh, Kyle's, you know, really trying to get himself going. No, no, those are the shots Virginia wants him to take. Um, there were times where Dre's in the middle of the in the middle of the zone, and you feel like, oh, you know, maybe he's forcing a little bit. No, those are the shots that they want him to take. Like one of the things that is different about this team, and I feel like some Virginia fans are it's going to take them a little while to get used to this. Is that there are certain guys in certain spots, like Tony has always, I think, been a get a good shot, um, doesn't care when it comes, but get a good shot coach. And, and we've talked about among us and even on this podcast that Virginia has a tendency at times to overpass, to turn down a pretty good shot, um, and instead of getting a great shot, getting a kind of mediocre shot or bad shot. Um, but some of the guys don't do that. Like Kyle Guy doesn't really turn down many shots because he shouldn't. And I remember way back when saying that sometimes a Joe Harris shot is better than a shot for anybody else, even if it's wide open. And these guys are just different. And so this idea of the third score, where the offense goes and this kind of thing, um, as long as they're running their stuff, I, I think the, the offense just comes because these guys are talented. They're versatile. That's the thing that really stands out to me about this group is that it kind of doesn't matter what sort of lineup you have. They can match up with you. So even in a situation like last night, right? Jack Salt wasn't going to play a ton of minutes. Um, Nigel Johnson wasn't going to play a ton of minutes, but you were able to still get home because you made enough plays. Um, now at the end of the game, which I guess we can kind of segue into talking a little bit more specifically about that. Uh, Dave, were you nervous at the end of that game? Um, cause you're kind of my, uh, <laughs> my barometer for what, uh, UVA fandom should be feeling. Were you worried? Like, was there at any point in the, in those last minute, maybe minute and a half, did you it, did you ever have a moment where you legitimately thought Virginia was going to lose the game? No, I mean I thought I thought it might get <clears throat> excuse me down to a you know a free throw to keep them from having a shot to tie or win. But no, I mean here's my thing with Virginia basketball. Not to get all topic, like you know a- after many years of football fandom and many years of bad basketball fandom, I do not stress watching Tony Bennett's teams play. They may lose, but they're not going to lose because of idiotic plays or anything else. They're just going to get beat. Um, so it doesn't make me angry as a fan. I, I'm a completely different basketball fan than football fan. Um, look, a couple of the, that little comeback was aided by a couple of ridiculously bad missed calls that were probably missed because they were down by 12 points and the refs wanted the game to be over. I mean, uh, Kyle Guy got assaulted on the wing and I think it was Devin underneath the basket that got hit pretty hard. So you know, it, it happens. Syracuse is not like they're a bad team. They they got arms. You know, look like dudes with ten foot arms all around, all around the perimeter last night. Uh, th- this team, in general, I just haven't found a reason to be worried about them. Even though what I said earlier about them not having that consistent go get you a, a point guy, they also are a team that has the most like spurtability of any Virginia team I can remember under Bennett. You know this team, if they get hot, they can come down and put up 15 points in two or three minutes just with the, you know, you've got four guys who can shoot to three and you're comfortable with them shooting it. And they make more than, you know, make a very large percentage. 
Um, so it, it is it is a different team. And Justin was talking about their defense. I'm not sure it's not the best defensive team Tony's ever had with respect to the way the game is played now. Uh, it's certainly the best three-point defending team we've seen. I think the numbers probably bear that out. Uh, they they defend the three-point line very well. Now, I've been trying to pay attention in the last couple of games, where the, especially against Virginia Tech, it does seem that even the off-ball defenders in the pack line aren't packing in as much as they used to. They are defending a little bit closer to the three-point line, and, and that's kind of being reflected in the in the number of offensive rebounds they're allowing and defensive rebounds they're getting. Um, so it, it's just a different team. It, it's it's got its weaknesses. I mean, we're not. I, I, I'm not ready to call this a Final Four team yet, but it, it's very good when you think about how much transition has happened in this program roster-wise in the last two years. What do you think, Ferber? Yeah, I mean, I like, like what Dave said. It's kind of like the end of the game. It didn't really bother me that much. I mean. I, I, this is a pretty good free throw shooting team. I wasn't really worried that they were going to blow the lead. And if it had been anybody but Syracuse, it probably wouldn't have even been that big of a deal. Um, I mean, they did what they had to do. Like Jim Baham said after the game, if they had tried to do that the whole game, they would have gotten blown out because they would have just surrendered a ton of layups. Um, one of my big takeaways from the game, actually, was I feel like Syracuse should be better. Um, their shooting numbers are not good. But they have some talented dudes. Uh, Howard, Battle, and Brissett are all good players, and they're going to give somebody problems down the road, whether that's in the regular season or in the ACC tournament, or if they're lucky enough to get into the NCAAs. That's looking pretty iffy right now. Um, so I think that UVA took a tough test and, and ended up coming out on top. Uh, obviously at home, that's a big advantage, and uh, that's a losable game when they go up to Carrier Dome later this season. Um, obviously, Syracuse has shown that they can make it a game, and that's a tough place to play. And the zone just, you know, it just takes you out of your rhythm. It's almost like you can kind of throw the game away uh, when you look at the whole season just because, you know, you look at their offense, they're not moving the way that they normally move. It's just a lot of guys standing around. So it feels like a different kind of game, and I'm sure that's how teams feel when they play UVA. You know, you kind of just throw the game away because it's such a – at, you know, it's so abnormal to play a team that plays defense like UVA does um, for 40 minutes. So, I mean, they, they withstood a tough challenge. And like Dave said, uh, they're not – I wouldn't exactly – I'm not ready to crown them, you know, like the best Tony team or the best defensive team. I do think they might be. Um, they've certainly exceeded my expectations. I thought that they would be a little bit better than how they ended up last year, uh, probably like a top 20, 20-ish team, top 15 and, you know, who knows? They might still end up there. But um, I, I think that they're already better than I thought they would. I never thought they would get to the third rank in the nation this year. It's interesting. Watching the watching them last night, I kept thinking they got to move the ball. The ball, because I think they're used to standing, waiting for a guy to come off of a screen um, and, and then pass, right? In this, when you're, when you're running offense against the zone, you have the ball has to keep moving. And the, and their, their the success that they had last night essentially came from that ball movement. You know, ball get to the middle of the floor, um, or ball got uh, to the middle of the floor, and then somebody would dribble. Like especially when it was Jerome, he would dribble out almost to the three point line, and basically pull Chuku away from the rim. And he, Chuku would do this thing where like he put his one arm out, and he would like put his other arm out toward the other guys as if to say, "Come save me," because I'm too far away from where I'm supposed to be. Um, 
I, I'm, I'm, I'll be really interested to see what this matchup looks like uh, in the Carrier Dome um, down the road. What is that? Uh, that game is uh, on the 3rd of February. Um, one thing I thought as I was watching it last night, and guys, are, there was this one play where Devin takes a three, and I believe he airballed it. And Zay comes up with the rebound, and he doesn't immediately go back up. He dribbles back out, and he kicks out. And Devin takes a three literally on contact. And, it, and I thought as the ball was going up, he better make that because you can fall in love a little bit too much with a three-point shot um, against that zone. And I, and I thought, you know what? This is a team that just doesn't necessarily – I mean, maybe the last minute and a half because of the, uh, the way it did seem like they got a little lemon booty – um, but typically they just they don't get tight. Does that make sense? Like they they just they just play. Like Ty does not, gives a, he gives a sing, he gives zero crap about what you think of him. Like we kept asking him, you know, like what do you feel like during the slump? And he's like, my confidence never slips. Then he goes out have a thirty point game. My confidence never slips. Like that's just who he is. Cow guy. He that's just who he is. You know, and honestly, DeAndre Hunter, like he, if you saw that video I posted, I mean, he's laughing about it. He's like, yeah, my family tells me stop talking about confidence because I keep talking about it, but that's what it is. It's confidence. Um, I just feel like in a lot of ways, some of these dudes are just kind of different. Like they don't like, I'm not saying that they're not still, you know, abiding by the pillars and they're not still good servants and teammates and stuff. But like when it comes to like believing themselves and like in those moments, like sometimes their only issue is that you have to have a better feel for when to go and when to hold back like they but they trust themselves like there's no like waiting for somebody else to make a play and so that's something i think is going to be interesting as they sort of continue forward um yeah i was going to say like you know normally teams that are so jump shot driven tend to struggle on the road when they're you know in hostile environments but and this team may very well you know most of the what they've got seven or eight road games left um in the acc so but when you think about just the personality, like I don't know that we've had a more vocal. Like we've had some fiery guys, and and Justin, and even Joe, even though he didn't talk much, he played fiery. The but I don't know we've had a guy who's vocal and plays with the fire that Todd Jerome does. Um, you know, he's a New York kid, and he he plays like it. And when they when they happen to catch him on on you know on the on the mics near the stand near the court, you can hear him talking, and then. You've got Kyle, who went through the entire last season with the man bun. Like, what else can he hear that he didn't hear last year? So, I, you know, this team, I'm interested to watch how they how the I believe it's eight games they have left on the road because they've only played one at home. Um, I'm interested to see how this team evolves, how a jump shotting a jump shot heavy team um, can manage when you've got guys who are vocal leaders and despite their youth, and then you get guys like Devin Hall and Isaiah Wilkins who are clearly the the locker room leader so it's just a fun team man. well really the one is. thing i will say about that um I, I agree with what you're saying about the jump shots but the most teams don't carry defenses like uva has on the road either um you know like i feel like even if they struggle some with the jump shot they can play defense and keep themselves in the game at least yeah i agree with that i mean last night there was a little early in the game there was a little um Little low, where I think Syracuse extended to a four or five point lead, um, and then Ty got hot, I believe, right after that. So it's, but you know, I think this team, a lot of the way this, the effort, Tony's teams have always given effort on defense, but you know, it's a little bit easier when you know we've got four guys who can go down and get a six points in a couple possessions. Um, so it, it is a different Tony Bennett team, but so far so good. 
Yeah, I mean, looking at the schedule, um, <laughs> they get uh, <laughs> they get North Carolina State, Georgia Tech, Wake Forest in a row. Happy birthday. Um, <laughs> those are the things I'm not supposed to say out loud. Hey, those two um, road games are going to be tricky. <laughs> you know, okay, that's a fair point. Look, North Carolina State, I would imagine, is going to struggle because I, I don't know if Al Freeman is capable at this point of playing – the type of maybe focus game he's going to need to play. But Kevin Keeks has a system that we've seen, you know, Virginia sort of struggle with. Um, Georgia Tech, it's going to be Jack Salt Knight um, at McCamish Pavilion um, next Thursday. Uh, the the Salt Lammers battle has gone Salt's way to this point, um, and I, I wouldn't imagine that that game's going to go any differently. Uh, playing Wake on the road three nights later, um, that's going to be an interesting one. I'm I don't know what happened to Wake. Somebody explain Wake Forest to me. Because I expected them to be better than they than they have been this season. And right now they are eight and seven. Are they playing at this very moment? Are they playing yeah, they're, right now? They're losing oh yeah, they're Virginia playing tech. tech. That's right. Um in a game that they were forecast at least by Kim Pom to win, although by a I honestly think they overachieved um, last year and they weren't that great. And then this yeah. year it's kind of a regression. Yeah. I mean they're they're gonna right. lose to so tech. If they lose, they're down eight with two seconds left, so Okay, so they'll be one and three. Then they've got Duke uh, on Saturday um, at Cameron, uh, and then they get North Carolina State the following Thursday um, at um, in Raleigh. God, why can't I just blank on where uh, uh, State plays? And then they get UVA uh, three nights later. Um, so yeah, I, I thought they would be better, but I think Ferber's right. They 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 overachieved last year, and they lost. Um, the yeah, Greek D. Constantinos um, Didn't he go pro? Didn't he go pro in some random country? I want to say somewhere? he went pro in like Greece. Pro somewhere. But uh, I might be, I might oh, be wrong maybe about so. that. Um, and so, as you look at the schedule, like Dave mentioned, eight more away games. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to vocalize what I'm, how, how I'm thinking about it. The, 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 the front of the schedule being loaded with home games is going to make the next couple months – kind of interesting with this team because at this point NC State at home on Sunday and then they play three of their next four on the road right and then they then they get Louisville at home Syracuse away Florida State away Virginia Tech at home now I understand that they just housed the Hokies but that I, I feel like that second one's going to be a, a different game so those four games are just completely different um, although I'm not I have no idea what to make of Louisville right now um, and I feel like and you guys can chime in on this what do we think of the ACC as a whole? Because I'll be honest, like I feel like Duke is super talented but can't play a lick of defense. I feel like Carolina has talent but doesn't know what to do without a, a traditional sort of post game. I feel like um, Syracuse has guys who can sort of run and gun, but can they do it can they can they score consistently enough to win? I have no idea the consistency level of Miami. Um, Notre Dame is without Bonzi Colson and Matt Farrell. Um, Florida State feels like a little bit of Jekyll and Hyde. Does anybody have any idea what to make uh, of this conference right now? I mean, I think Virgi- Virginia is the most consistent team right now. Um, I'll just do what you did, basically. Duke is going to figure it out, um, period. Don't fall into the trap. They're going to be good. This happens every year. Um, what? Every, every year, <laughs> I'm not every, saying they're not going to be good. I'm just every saying year like, they do. They lose a game, good? and That's people are like, "Are they as good as we thought they were?" And then the next thing you know, they win 14 ACC games or whatever. 
Um, I'm not saying they're going to win the national championship, but they're the most talented team, and I wouldn't be surprised if they did. Um, the defensive thing will work itself out. They're not going to be a, an elite defensive team, but they don't need to be, honestly. I mean, Pitt's terrible, but they just beat Pitt by like 40 points. So they'll be fine. Uh, North Carolina, I agree with what you said. Uh, they they are so reliant on Joel Berry, I feel like, or at least they were in the UVA game. Um, Luke May puts up numbers, but he's not – I just don't – I'm not a big believer in his game as it relates to ACC play. I mean, he put up a lot of big numbers against non-conference teams, but I, I, he just doesn't have the, the game to go up against traditional bigs. He's going to have to make some jump shots. And obviously he was able to do that against Boston College, but I don't know how far that's going to take you against teams with, with big front courts like Duke has. Um, Clemson, you did not mention, they are good. Um, they are not elite. Probably, but they're they're gonna win their fair share of ACC games. They've already won three, so um, they're pretty good. Uh, they're basically just a better version of the Clemson teams that we always see. Boston College has improved. We saw that, um, even though they got housed last night by Carolina. Louisville is the team that in the preseason I told you guys I thought was gonna be bad, and they appear to be somewhat bad. Um, they obviously have talent, but I figured with the coaching change and the roster turnover to an extent and, and you know a new coach who's never been a head coach I just it, it was all the recipes of a disaster um, unfortunately for Notre Dame they got hurt because I think they would have been one of the best three or four teams um, you know Vonsi Golson missing basically all the regular season kills them but um, they can still win some games they've already won three uh, they did lose to Georgia Tech tonight um, and and Farrell will return at some point I believe so Virginia Tech um, you know, we kind of know what they are. I think I don't think they're as bad as they were when well, what we saw in the matchup with UVA a couple weeks ago uh, or last week. But uh, they'll be they'll be decent. They'll win their fair share of games. They have a lot of offense. Florida State, Miami. I don't really. They're kind of a mystery to me. They've won a lot of games, but um, I'm still kind of in a wait and see mode with them. Like always, I feel like it's the same kind of Florida State team we always get. And then Miami is probably going to be pretty good. Um, Virginia always seems to struggle when they play down there, too, so we'll see how that goes. Um, I don't think I missed anybody that I can think of that's relevant. Mm -hmm. I feel like Clemson... Oh, and Pitt is really bad. Clemson, you... Yeah, Pitt's really bad. I feel like Clemson is going to be an interesting team to watch because they're primarily playing, essentially... not. I wouldn't call it a four-guard lineup, but Dante Grantham's not really a forward... Right, I mean, he's they they list him at six eight, but he's not he's really more of a forward. I mean, he's, he's more, more of a guard. three, like he stretches the floor. Yeah, I mean, he's a yeah. So so maybe we can start call it a four guard lineup. But I mean, realistically, they do not go very deep at all. Um, I, that game at UV at UVA in a few weeks is going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting for them because I just don't see like I don't see how that team can beat UVA. Um, but at the same time. Uh, aside from West Virginia, Clemson might have the best defense Virginia's seen this season. Um, if you think about it, I mean, I, I I don't know about you. I don't know what what you guys think of the rest of the the slate, but I mean, maybe Syracuse because of the zone is yeah, is and a and, and VCU but, can um, give you some problems with their defense, but they they were not true. that great. But that was also earlier in the year, and that's yeah, and they're not. I mean, I think Syracuse is the best the, defense they played besides West besides West so Virginia. Not to spoil the power rankings, which I'm assuming are coming tomorrow. I guess they're coming tomorrow, or what? As you're listening to this later today, um, but I, Virginia's the best team in the ACC, right? Like, that's. I mean, do we think Virginia's better than Duke? 
I mean, right now, I think in the snapshot, yeah. I, if I had to bet who was going to win the ACC, I put <laughs> it's between those two teams. I don't see anyone else being consistently yeah, good enough. I agree. Um, over the ground. I think Clemson is a. But it would not surprise me if Duke beat us by a couple games by the end of the season. Once they yeah, I mean, I think that – I'll say this. I think UVA having a two-game lead in the loss column over them is is a is pretty significant because yeah. they're gonna they're still not going they're not gonna run the table. I don't think at this point. I, I I think Duke will end up like fourteen and four, thirteen and five in the league, and I think UVA will probably be like right around there. But but and then uh, or mm-hmm. you could see a situation where it's like a split title where one team wins a regular season, the other wins a conference tournament. Uh, I think Clemson's gonna win a bunch of games, but I don't think they're gonna beat the top teams a lot. I think they'll just beat up on everybody else. And I think North Carolina is yeah. going to do the same thing. I mean, look at how they've done against the other teams. I mean, they beat Wake. Florida State's pretty good, so there's no harm there. They lost UVA on the road. And then they hammered Boston College. So it's like I feel like they'll just beat all the bad teams or mediocre teams, and then they'll you know, they'll win one or two against the top. I mean, I think that they could split with Duke or something. I wouldn't be that surprised. Um, they'll, they can beat Miami, teams like that. Um, they don't get a rematch with UVA, but – and then I think like the middle of the league is going to be like Syracuse, Notre Dame, uh, Florida State, and Miami could be more towards the top. I could see them finishing top four, probably not both of them, but one of them. Um, I think like three, four, five will be like Florida State, Miami, North Carolina, and then you can throw in like Clemson, one of those. And then the middle will be like Louisville, Syracuse because they have talent, Virginia Tech. Um, I'm forgetting some teams. I'm sure Notre Dame. Maybe Georgia Tech if they can get it together, Boston College, mm-hmm. um, and then the bottom will be like Wake, NC State, Pitt, of course, <laughs> Louisville is somewhere in there, of course. Yeah. Um, so currently, I'm I'm looking at the schedule. So so Duke has to obviously play Carolina twice. Uh, Duke also has to play Virginia Tech twice this year. Um, Virginia has to play Virginia Tech twice. Has to play Louisville twice. Um, I, I mean, the two game lead I think is is substantial, so it's not going to come down to just that one game in Durham. Also, Virginia Tech is going to get manhandled by Duke. Who is going to guard Bagley? <laughs> Nobody. Well, that's the thing. Is it like, and that's one of the things I like about the ACC. I mean, and I'm sure this is somewhat true about other conferences too, but I, I, just in general, is like the way different styles sort of match up. So like Carolina can't score its way out of a paper bag against UVA, and yet Syracuse will be able to get a shot whenever it wants, right? Um, Virginia Tech is going to try to – like, they play this the styles, like, the, what they really kind of want to do is too similar, except one of them has Marvin Bagley and one of them doesn't, um, which, I mean, honestly, like, th- that's the difference to me between uh, – in the UVA game, like, which one of them has Marvin Bagley. That dude is absurd. Um, and anybody who passes – if anybody passes on him for the number one pick, y- y- you are a dummy. Um, that kid is ridiculously good. Um, all right. I want to tell a story. Can I, can, can it be story time now? Can it be story time? Do your thing, man. Okay. Now I want to preface this story. How, how, are we half an hour in? Yeah, we're more than half an hour in. Okay, good. All right. Listen, I want to preface this story, uh, with a couple of thoughts. I wrote a story earlier this week that sort of focused on the things that, um, that Roy Williams said after the game Saturday. And I, I don't want I don't want to take a side. I know that some people, like I wrote in the story, some people think his all shucks routine is endearing, and some people think it's a it's a routine and it's fake. I've always thought Roy was a an interesting guy. He 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 always was good at the mic. Um, wasn't always 
a big fan of his coaching though the last few years given um everything i've i've kind of grown to uh respect him a little bit more as a as an actual like in-game coach as a, in the past i think i definitely bought into the idea of him just kind of rolling the ball out there anyway let me tell you a story about saturday <laughs> saturday at the game so prior to the start of the game everybody understands that teams come out and they shoot right now the away bench is actually on the other side of the court from where the away team shoots in the first half and it makes sense that the that the that the that the teams would warm up on the goal that they're going to shoot at in the half in which is coming up, right? So Carolina warms up on the opposite goal from, from where their bench is. Typically what happens during the pregame stuff is that the team, the team staff. So maybe some assistant coaches, uh, managers, um, maybe some, um, team personnel folks, maybe not necessarily assistant coaches, but folks who are, uh, who work with the program, they actually sit or stand in and around the bench area that they're not going to sit or stand at during the actual game. Okay, follow me? All right. Or like UVA's coaches will warm up their players. Right, UVA's coaches are on the court doing stuff. Okay, so about 25, 27 minutes or so before the game, uh, Ferber and I and other um, Virginia media people sometimes will – our, our sort of pregame routines, we go and we stand on the baseline and watch the team warm up until about 20 minutes, and then we go uh, back up to the crow's nest. Um, <laughs> I have never seen anything like this happen uh, in all my games at JPJ. Um, one of the uh, Virginia staffers had what looked like to me like a group of either donors or just fans that maybe had like won some sort of competition. I'm not sure of the specifics. Maybe they just knew somebody. Um, and they they were they had access, and so they were down there with this guy, completely l- legit. Like he's not he's not like a hanger on. He's like one of the one of the guys who works in the uh, basketball office, and they just happened to be sitting there. Now Ferber and I at times when we're waiting for the team to come out, we'll sit down in those ch- in those seats that are right there by the baseline, and like nobody thinks that we're actually trying to sit there, right? Um, and if the people come with their tickets, we would just stand up and move and let them have their seat. Um, so about this time, these guys are on the bench with one of the UVA basketball personnel, and Roy and his assistant coach come out. And I watched like 90% of this unfold. And the only way I can describe the way Roy reacted to this situation would be like the most diva of diva singers was upset that she didn't have her her specifically requested type of bottled water before the concert like he the looks on his face the way he just like he just like wouldn't even look in their direction like how like the audacity of these people to sit on my bench was just like permeating from the man meanwhile steve robinson his longtime assistant coach is like i guess his enforcer i mean he's like the charles oakley of this deal and like he looks angry i mean like it's like somebody had like stepped on his toe and called his mama a name i mean he looks mad and i'm telling ferber i'm like yo look at this what is what is this so like the people at this point you know they've moved okay and the uva staffer guy goes back to basically say you know oh sorry about that guys and he kind of and like roy wouldn't look at him would not Dane to look at the man, right? And Steve is just shaking his head and he is angry. He's visibly upset. Now, for all I know, somebody in their little group said something. 
right? Maybe that is. And if that's what happened, I'm sorry. But it was one of the weirdest little unfoldings of things because, like, it just did not match what I would normally expect to see. Like, I would expect Roy to come out and, like, strike up a conversation with him. That just seems like the kind of person he sort of is. And maybe it's just, you know, pregame, he's amped, he's wired, he's, he's you know, excited about the game or whatever. But the whole thing as it unfolded just kind of blew me away um, and was definitely one of those times where I just did not expect um, somebody to react um, in such a fashion. Uh, Ferber, how did I do? Did they do a pretty good job of, of being the chief summarizer-in-chief? Yeah, a uh, couple things. For context purposes, two things. Um, first, Sean May is one of their assistant coaches, and him and some other guy, I don't know, were sitting on the bench before Roy got there, and they those two people were there, and they didn't care. They were just like, yeah, it's fine. So it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like a big deal to them. I mean, they were a few, a few seats down, but it wasn't like they were freaking out about it. Um, Roy kind of gave this gesture when he showed up, like, uh, he looked, I think it was like Steve Robinson. He looked at him and was like, who are these people? <laughs> like he kind of just like had this weird reaction to it. Also, it's very rare for the head coach to ever come out before games. Um, he's like, that is very, he's true. like, the, he's like the only true. one who ever does it. So normally if people were sitting on that bench, it would not make a difference because nobody would be coming out there. Um, but, and but he's kind of the, he's the exception to the rule. He does it all the time. Um, but I mean, like, I don't really blame him. What's he going to be doing back there in the locker room by himself? But um, yeah, it was strange. I mean, like I said, like you said, we don't really know what was said, but he seemed very like nonplussed by the whole thing. Very, like very much so. And it like the, the word that keeps coming to mind as I think about it is diva. And I don't mean that in like a, like a, like a hot take sort of, you know, I mean, I, that just the, like it, he did. He just seemed like, how, how dare you sit on the, on my bench. And it's funny because different teams have different like ways that they do stuff. So like, um, for, is it is it Florida State that has the big X on the chair? Yeah, I was just thinking about that. They do that. <laughs> so they like so mark they the chairs X. for different people and stuff. Yeah. So like some schools are very you know they and they do like they come and they set everything up and some of them have I don't know if folks have noticed this during like media timeouts but like they'll have. Uh, a group of uh, managers who might have little uh, little chairs that they bring on the floor. Some teams have specific spots that they want guys to sit and stuff like that. That's that's just the nature of the beast. Um, like I said, Florida State will put a big X on a chair for 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 Bunny um, whenever he's ready to sit down. Um, but I've never seen anybody like go super duper like uh, territorial diva over the over the seats and like i said these folks looked like they were having a great time they did not you know i think i think it was like two couples they didn't look like they were you know trying to start any trouble and certainly the way that virginia reacted once uh they moved them like they just came down and stood further down on the baseline it wasn't like they were you know removed from the area or anything like that i just think it's funny like as somebody who goes to a lot of acc venues and and i can just tell you like different places handle security and and credentials and access very differently like i went to virginia tech the other night and nothing on my credentials said i wasn't supposed to be on the floor and i i went like i always do i went down to the floor and then went was going to go through the tunneling and and go up and like i got yelled at because i wasn't supposed to I, my past did not give me access to the floor i'm like oh i'm sorry i mean like i was it wasn't like it was an intentional thing and i mean all these people were doing were just they were just sitting in some chairs watching the team warm up and they 
uh, and a Hall of Fame coach got really upset with them. And I, what I think is funny is that like they left that game, and like the indelible memory for them probably isn't just UVA beat up on Carolina. It's that Roy Williams got super duper mad at them for sitting in his seat, which makes me chuckle even now. Like, um, like I realize um, like JPJ is not some hole in the wall. I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, a major sports venue, and there people are, you know, supposed to be where they're supposed to be. I just to to this day, I even just thinking about it again, just uh, it makes me laugh. I just I wish I had thought to to not necessarily record it because that would have that would have seemed much more nefarious. I mean, just to take a picture so I can explain the look on his face. He just looks so put out. <laughs> and I just don't understand why. Um, so yeah, that was uh, that was I had to tell that story. I I had to. I told I told Ferber that night. I was gonna, I couldn't wait to tell that story on the podcast. So I'm, I'm glad I got that out. Uh, and and we were able to. To uh, enjoy the the divishness, the diva ishness of uh, of a certain old Roy uh, himself. Yes. Spoiler alert: Coach K isn't really sportsmanlike either. <laughs> so. Well, it's funny because that's he's what's the so weird is Roy. I wouldn't think would do that. Right, exactly. Like K is the only other coach that I can say I have personally seen do stuff that really did not look good. Like that night. Uh, well, oh yeah, there's that. Um, although Bayon was fine last night, he, he, you know, he looked like he had pink eye in one in his right eye. And I, I wasn't really sure if that was like going to make him like when he sat down, I was like, Oh man, he's going to be irritable. He was fine. But K is, I mean, like, I don't scum of the earth period. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> um, I, I don't like people. I don't like people who, who present one thing and are another be what you are. See, in, in fairness to Roy, this, we don't really know the context of what happened. I'm yeah, not trying yeah. to defend him or anything, but. I've always thought that Roy's press conferences and stuff are somewhere closer to the truth than K's. Like, yeah, like yeah. Hey, I, you learn a lot Roy's from what he says, year, like about basketball and like psychology when you listen to K in, in press conferences. But like Roy seems yeah. like he's being pretty honest. Um, I, all right, quick. It's, this would be a good, uh, quick uh, fifth side of the ball segment, Brad. Ooh, fifth side of the ball. Um, fifth side of the who ball. are your top three press conference coaches for people you've seen in person? Like. Ooh. I'll set this one out. <laughs> uh, all right. My top yeah, don't you ones, have some boxes um, to move or something? <laughs> don't you have some bats to, to, to arrange? Um, all right, let's well, see. Well, you can Ta- chime so in with stuff about- you heard, you know. All right, what about – all right, are we, are we are we limiting this to basketball or are we going to say Let, overall? Let's do basketball, but football maybe okay. for another time. But yeah, we yeah, don't really okay. sit so, in on the football stuff as much. For the away, that's true. Team. I don't. I, yeah, it's true. I don't get to. I only. I really only get access to the football coaches on the teleconference. Um, basketball wise, I really liked. Um, I mean, up until this little episode, of Roy, he was probably my favorite. Um, just because Roy would always give you quotes that were easily tweetable, that were easily used in like you know your column or something like. Because he has a really interesting way of sort of breaking it down to brass tacks. So like he sits down the other night and he's like, "Listen, guys, I don't know what to tell you." Um, this isn't going to take that long, so go uh, go have a glass of wine and watch Sports Center with your wives, and because um, this is not going to take much. But that was just an old fashioned butt kicking. Like that's who Roy always has been in press conferences in my in, in, in my experience. So which is why the the pregame thing just was so like random and different. Um, I would say he's probably been my favorite um, of the guys to. Um, of the opposing guys. Um, I'm trying to think there was one non-conference game. Um, um, Ola 
Huggy was interesting. Yes, uh, that was one of the ones I was thinking Huggy about. Was interesting. He seemed like he lost he by thirty. He did. He definitely did. It is team one. Um, that was a that was an interesting one. Um, I'm trying to think back. Um, I really liked um, Buzz Williams. No. Oh my gosh, Buzz does this thing. He, he, he might like be the he might the, be the worst. <laughs> He, he he lines up, and he also gets like weirdly antagonistic for out of nowhere. Like even when the question didn't necessarily seem that way, he also does this thing sometimes. And I don't know if he does it every time. And I completely skipped his uh, press conference after the game the other day. But like he does this thing where he like lines up all the recorders just in a perfect sort of line. So like in in the in the in the few seconds right as the coach walks in all the, all of us kind of stand up we move we make our way to the front and we put our recorder up there now some of them like me I like to try to have mine uh as close to the actual microphone as possible um some people just like throw it up on the desk they don't give they don't care um but buzz would like move the recorders and so they like lined up right next to each other and they were along like a, a vertical axis uh which was I don't know even to the to this day is just super strange to me um no, the guy was I was thinking of um, from Cal when um, Kwanzaa was there. I thought Kwanzaa was was interesting, um, just because the mannerisms with the hands and the way he talks and stuff I thought was was cool. Of uh, in the among the ACC coaches, um, but uh, Roy's definitely the the uh, the best to me, um, or at least the most honest and the most interesting. The guy I pay attention to the most, um, Kevin Stallings last year. I've never seen a coach who hated his team more yeah. than that dude hated that team. He had some contempt like, for that team. I mean, he had a deep-seated just fireball of hate. And he was for pretty good. He like, was pretty good in the press conference. Like he was very like quotable, but it was it was pretty clear that he was like we don't have the right players. Right. And he said that. And I, and that was that like weird game where he had like suspended some guys for like a half or something like that. Yeah, it was their last um, so game yeah, of the that, season, basically, because they were, like, way under 500. So they had, like, the one ACC tournament game, and that was it. That was the last game of the season. Patino always, because Virginia always beat him so bad, he always seemed like his cat got run over, um, which, you know, made for a, a weird press conference. And then there was that one there was that one year where there was some speculation that he might retire. Oh, no. It was the year that it was their last game of the season because they Yeah, had, they it was their last probation. game of the season, right. Yeah. Um you know who who stands out to me for some unknown reason? Uh, Jeff Bezdelic, when he was at Wake Forest, was just a complete space cadet. Um, I, I don't even know how to put into words. Like he would say the most random stuff. Like, well, if it wasn't for that twenty to two run, you know, we were right in it. You're like, wait, what? Um, I thought he was he was interesting from maybe not necessarily like the I can really use this, but more like in the interesting like oh that was a thing that happened. Um, old boy at uh, Georgia Tech. Um, Brad's just gonna um, name every coach. No, 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 no. I, like I'm, <laughs> I'm actually thinking of like the ones who actually stand out. I mean, I haven't mentioned like I don't know. Uh, I mean, Bunny's actually pretty good. Um, but what's the dude's name in Georgia Tech now? Whose Pastner. name is escaping me? Pastor. His last year so, at UVA was so funny. It was ridiculous, right? Because he said like the same thing. Like he's three like we were times. only supposed to win one game or something like that. And he just kept repeating it for some unknown reason, and I just uh. He oh, was yeah, like, was, the, he was, was like, different. when I got here, the AD that hired me said I wouldn't win a game for two years. And like, somebody asked a question to him. It was like, so like, what do you think? What what was your kind of assessment of of your post play? It seemed like you know, Lammers was really having some issues with salt. And he's like, well, listen, I mean, look, when the AD hired me, I mean, look, he told me we, you know, we probably wouldn't win an ACC game for two years. 
it was just the most bizarre sort of uh, yeah. scenario. And all the Georgia Tech people were like, yeah, he does that every game. <laughs> and I was like, really? Um, but no, I'm not going to name everyone. Um, those are those are the ones that stand out. Those are okay, my, out. Roy is always high on mine. Um, he always has some funny stuff. Like UVA's beaten them a bunch, so usually he's pretty like I wouldn't say humbled, but just kind of like exacerbated. Laid back almost. Yeah, he's just like resigned to what what just happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and he's he's usually, usually very like complimentary. Um, K is pretty complimentary, but his is more in a different kind of way. I don't know. K does this thing where he like he like shifts the focus. So like that year where they lost, like K had everybody talking about the court storming, like and that's sort of his mo. Like anytime his team doesn't play well or they have some kind of loss, he 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 doesn't. It's not necessarily he doesn't give the other team some praise because he does. Like I saw him say some nice things about NC State the other day, but like he has this way of sort of like I feel like everything he does directly. is like it just feels like everything he does is like planned, calculated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So my favorite is Mike Bray. Oh, I totally forgot Mike about Bray Mike. Mike Bray is yeah. awesome. He is honest. He is nice. He is quotable. He has a great basketball mind. He's uh, he's usually very like gracious in a loss. Um, he's just a guy, I feel like if you were like, I need to go have a beer with an ACC basketball coach, he would be like at the top of the list. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, he seems like, you know, he's just very quotable, has a very good understanding of the game. He's somebody that like, I don't mind if he has success because it's just, he's good. Other people I would consider, um, if you want a train wreck of a press conference, maybe last night excluded Jim Beheim's after they lost UVA in 2014 was the most standoffish yeah. thing I've ever seen. He was very angry. He was like brutally angry. And just like every angry. question he just like threw back in the person's face. It was like almost, you know, it was borderline disgraceful. Um, the other one, so Roy, one thing I will say, I was in a press conference with Roy once at the ACC tournament. And these kids, and and you guys, I mean, if you watch the YouTube videos, you can hear the questions that people are getting asked. But these two, yes. these two oh, yes. newspaper kids or something, <laughs> I forget where they were from, they asked every single ACC coach after their games what they thought about the ACC tournament going to Brooklyn. Keep in mind, yep. this is back in like 2014, 2015, right. when it was in Greensboro. Yeah. And it was like three, four, five years away. So... Uh, they didn't care. I mean, we didn't care. We knew. I feel like they were Syracuse guys. I think they yeah, were they were from like, they were from Syracuse guys. or something, and they were trying to make a big deal about this tournament relocating to New York, which I I get it. But they were asking. They were not very tactful about how they asked. And I was in there with Roy one time, and I remember walking out, and Brad was transcribing audio or something, and I was just laughing. I was like, "You should have been in there." And then the person brings the quotes by. And it, if you just read the transcription, it was amazing. He asked Roy <laughs> after he had just lost in the, I think it was the quarterfinals. Um, yeah. He, they had just lost by like 20 points to, I think, Louisville or something. And the reason we were covering it is because UVA was going to play the winner. Um, right. I think they lost the pit, actually. And he goes in there, and the guy's like, so, you know, one of the first questions to get, the ACC tournament's going to be played in uh, Brooklyn in 2017 and 2018. What are your uh, first thoughts on that? And he just stared at the kid for probably 10 seconds and said, Son, we just got our asses whooped. I don't care where the ACC tournament is played. He's like, if they play it in Siberia, I'll go. Like, you know, we'll go play there. But that has nothing to do with anything. And he was just, like, mystified by it. And the funny thing is, I had just been in with Tony being asked the same question. And he had just won. And he kind of just was like, oh, yeah, I used to, you know, I loved playing in New York when I was in the NBA and, you know, so on and so forth. But he didn't really, like, you know, care. And then uh, Leonard Hamilton had like a very similar reaction to Roy. He was just like, "What?" <laughs> He's just blown away by it. <laughs> and then uh, honorable mention Bob Huggins. 
yeah. the Yale coach, James Jones, he was good when he came to UVA. Very smart guy. Um, the Hampton coach this year, I have no idea who it is. He yeah, was really yeah. funny. He was like super was intense. Um, <laughs> yeah, he was good. And Jay Wright is good. Um, he was good when he came oh, to JPJ. Yeah, Jay Wright. yeah so yeah. those are the ones that stand out to me. Larinaga is more standoffish than people give him credit for, too. People think he's like a. He has this very good, like, media reputation, but, like, in person, he's very kind of, like, brutal. Yeah. Which is weird, especially at UVA, because you would think that, like, he would feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because of his. I always like Patino, too. Um, yeah. His press conferences were usually very interesting. Um, it was funny, though, because, like, Patino would be super, like, cool and, and like, generous with his time in the in the presser but you could tell he had this like weird relationship with the louisville writers like the people that were there like it was almost like adversarial kind of like Bayheim. yeah he would much rather talk to us than he would to talk yeah, to the exactly. guys who he, yeah. he, he worked with on a regular basis dave was that was that was that segment fun for you that must have been such a hoot that was the best there, there is there a sixth side of the ball <laughs> no no the fifth side of the ball that's where that's what for next, gonna call next his week we're just okay. gonna let dave talk for 30 minutes about kickers <laughs> <laughs> About I had to earn and, uh, my freaking minutes back. That's what it is. And, I see what's going and, on. And uh, square footage. <laughs> well, Dave, we are very glad to have you back and uh, very glad that uh, you have made it through the valley of, uh, of uh, store expansion. Hopefully things are going well and you guys are making a killing. Um, Just trying to pay the bills. <laughs> it'll be it'll be nice that you actually re- return text messages because in our group thread, like basically Ferber and I have been carrying that for like a month, month and change now. Um, but my favorite thing I, before we before we wrap up this week, I, I my favorite thing though was the night of the Carolina game. Dave, I guess was that the day you opened the the new store? You, you yeah, guys opened that yeah, day. Yeah. Okay, so Dave has not watched the game. Uh, he only saw the score, so he's excited to go home and watch it. And so at, so throughout the throughout the night. <laughs> For for a while, Dave is like randomly texting the name of players with exclamation points, and Ferber and I would respond with like nodding gifs or like exactly gifs or some. I gotta say, I got such a kick out of that entire scenario of you like watching this game with like this joyful excitement and whatnot. Like like you were like a kid at Christmas. Well, like, the best part literally was, a kid at Christmas. The best part was he was like Mamadi after the first breakaway dunk, and I was like, "You yeah. got a long way to go," because I just was like, "He's got the Hunter dunk, he's got the Nigel dunk." And then yeah, he was like, "Mommy right. again," you know, like, <laughs> like immediately there. I was like, yeah, "When he gets to the great. Hunter one, he's gonna freak out." We he's haven't had a podcast since then. That was one of my all-time favorite UVA dunks. The Hunter one, yeah. Because I, that, you know, I will say this: there's like, there's like a general etiquette for the press box. I know I don't. It's probably a little too inside baseball for people at this point, but you know, like you're not supposed to like cheer or anything in the press box. It's just kind of considered unprofessional. Um, which you know it, it does happen from time to time. Let's be honest, especially in other other arenas or bat, football stadiums. Um, yeah. But anyway, like Brad sometimes has a tendency to be like, "Uh oh," or something, you know, like or maybe like an expletive. Um, I don't know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I, I don't do it as much, but when Hunter was going up for the dunk, I was like, "Uh oh," and I kind of was I like let out an audible because I saw Joel Berry trying to cut him off, and I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be bad." Uh, I will just, in my own defense, say that uh, I am I react to the play. Like I, I did the same thing uh, last night. I had a couple times where like Battle or Howard would hit a shot. I'm like, whoa, yeah, that's but, like yeah. Some of those dunks uh, during the during that game, <laughs> I definitely. But the Hunter one, I definitely like. 
I, I did the the two hands to the chest like woo kind of movement, and I'm not doing that again. Um, but it it it's it's an it's 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 involuntary. What do you mean to do? I can't I can't not be who I am. That I, was I the that up. was the most anticipatory I've been on a dunk since Justin Anderson <laughs> caught that alley oop against Virginia Tech in Blacksburg when we were courtside. Oh yeah, and I was yeah, like, oh, was and that was like to take the lead or something, and I was like, uh oh. <laughs> But yeah. yeah, that was awesome. Good for Hunter. And yeah, he tried to do a few more last night and just couldn't get one to go in. That one, that one though, he got fat. Oh yeah, he that got... would have been murder for whoever was underneath him. But yeah, no doubt. Well, uh, Dave, like I said, I'm I'm glad that you're back. I'm sure the people are glad that you're back because now they don't have to listen to just me and Ferber. They can uh, they can hear your uh, hot takes and um, cool takes as well. Um, so welcome back. Um, you did a really nice job of getting back into the groove of things. You're still earning your spot, though. You're I'm not. You're not. It. You're not going to get your minutes uh, uh, like you were getting them before. You got to earn that. I'm trying to get that red shirt year back. <laughs> uh, Want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show and continuing to uh, give us a listen as always. Thank you very much for your time, and I want to say again, thank you to Dave and Ferber for giving graciously of their own time uh, and helping me uh, in this endeavor. Uh, so for Justin Ferber and David Spence, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CatsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.